The rain garden is nature's water purification plant. It is fed from swales in the parking lot, areas that take the watery runoff with all its unpleasant oily chemicals and channel them down to this sunken area. Here, they percolate in this swampy ground planted with native plants that act as nature's natural cleansers until the water is restored to natural rainwater that seeps south into the Great Lawn Vista. This process has the advantage of stopping erosion and preventing floodwaters laden with unpleasant chemicals from reaching lakes, streams, and rivers. to Peas in a Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, After the Storm, The Rain Garden at the Springfield Botanical Gardens. Hello and welcome to Peas in a Podcast, your Friends of the Garden podcast. Friends of the Garden is a Springfield, Missouri-based nonprofit devoted to maintaining and enhancing the Springfield Botanical Gardens. I'm your host, Dinah Dudenhafer. I'm a junior journalism major at Missouri State and Friends of the Garden intern. This episode is all about rain gardens. A rain garden is usually built in a small depression at the bottom of a slope, typically containing native shrubs, perennials, and flowers. It is designed to temporarily hold runoff after a rain event that's flowed from impermeable surfaces like roads, roofs, and sidewalks, and helps reduce flooding. Rain gardens can remove around 80 to 90 percent of pollutants collected by the runoff and can enable 30 percent more water to soak into the ground and recharge aquifers. If you've ever been to the Springfield Botanical Gardens at Nathaniel Green Close Memorial Park, it's likely you've seen our rain garden. It's located on the southeast corner of the building and it collects excess rain runoff from the roof and parking lot. It helps prevent flooding and cleans the water through root filtration before the rain enters South Creek. So the rain garden, it's the idea of capturing water, especially in a, um, you know, a rain event or a high water event. So you don't have uh, an excessive amount of runoff going into our streams and uh, carrying pollution. Uh, it's usually plants that are especially chosen to absorb metals and minerals that might be coming off of vehicles and asphalt and things like that. Katie Keith, Botanical Center Coordinator at the Springfield Botanical Gardens. If you can imagine with all of our impermeable spaces with driveways and parking lots and rooftops and things like that, um, water just doesn't have a good place to go and it's all racing for the lowest point. So um, when we opened the Botanical Center 10 years ago, we were seeing a lot of uh, flooding, you know, places where um, the bike trail and even Scenic Avenue were not accessible in the high rain events that uh, there was so much water going on that creek. So what we were basically able to do is uh, slow that water down um, by capturing it and letting it slowly perk through the plant material before it actually reaches uh, the creek. So it saves us a lot on, um, you know, flooding that impacts the entire town. Instead of flowing into a pond or stream within 40 minutes of raining, a rain garden may cause the rainwater to still be draining two days later. The rain garden came along with the building of the Botanical Center as a LEED certified building that was um, one of the strategies um, to make this more of a sustainable landscape. 
the idea of capturing all the water that's coming off the rooftop in the parking lots um, as part of a demonstration um, we have a couple of different rain collection options so when we first bu built the building i think there was maybe five plants um, the landscape architects had recommended and at this point i think there's probably you know, several dozen species in that garden. It's really grown and changed over the past 10 years. And, um, you know, I think it's more functional now than than it was in the beginning. It's a, a really a great demonstration and really a great uh, habitat for a lot of pollinators. You see a lot of insects and hummingbirds and things like that right up close to the building. Rain gardens help clean rainwater, too, filtering out the dirt and silt that runoff gathers from parking lots or rooftops or bacteria from agricultural and pet waste. You know, anything that is eventually part of our city drinking water and that does eventually get to the Southwest Water Treatment Plant. So that does eventually become the, the tap water that we're drinking. You know, I think anything that you wouldn't want to see in your, your water from potentially mercury levels to lead levels, you know, anything that might be coming out of asphalt or cars or even construction material of houses and buildings um, you know it's all getting moved in that way even raising nutrient levels raising pathogen levels but if you get that to dissipate into the landscape before it actually gets into the water that's healthier for all of us a rain garden serves not only a practical purpose for human needs like collecting silt and other pollutants and preventing floods it has greater ecological benefits. The rain garden on the Springfield Botanical Gardens campus has grown to be a large, thriving ecosystem for many different species. And Katie says that's the goal for every garden here, to foster biodiversity. The garden that you see out there now is totally diverse with having host plants that caterpillars can eat, and then the birds come in and eat the caterpillars, and you'll see all just all kinds of life within that garden. For anyone considering building a rain garden themselves, Katie says to be cognizant of how the water flows across a given landscape. Some properties might call for multiple rain gardens or some might need to do a little bit of contour work to get them just quite right. But um, I think just about anyone could do a rain garden. Um, and I think there's probably even opportunities, even in, in higher spots, but just right off of um, paved areas and downspouts of houses that can help slow down water moving quickly away and bring a whole new addition to their gardens. Currently, the park staff maintains the rain garden, but it is open for adoption. What we try to do is um, you know, keep our eyes on it real early in the spring, and if we notice anything that doesn't belong or we're getting too many of the same We'll edit some of those out. We're always watching for big trees like walnuts, not to let those thrive in there. And then for the past several years, we've done prescribed burns. So there's a few days in the spring that it's not too windy and we've had just enough rain and we can burn all of the the old season's growth off. And that's really been good for a lot of the plants to um, release their seeds and have good germination with some of that and um, help to keep it clean. What are some of the plants that make up a healthy rain garden? Um, some of the ones that I probably enjoy the most are the marshmallow, hibiscus. It has a really showy flower. 
the blue flag or the native iris is also one that's got a great root system that can absorb a lot of moisture and has a, a really beautiful flower early in the spring. Ones that we always get lots of comments on is a plant called Queen of the Prairie and uh, the Joe Pie weed um, have great big inflorescent type blooms and just attract a lot of pollinators. For somebody who is concerned about keeping our waterways clean and doing their part in order to achieve that sustainability that a lot of the botanical gardens are searching for, what can an individual do in order to make a difference? I think really just thinking of your your garden or your landscape um, and the wildlife around you. Uh, think about the food that's needed for the songbirds and butterflies and things like that. Uh, think about the chemicals that you're using um, and even things that you might not even think of as a chemical like fertilizers. Fertilizers are in fact probably the worst thing uh, that we add to our landscape. So um, the fertilizer that we put on our grasses all season long are really pretty detrimental um, and a lot of the grasses out there they're pretty tough. They don't need all kinds of uh, chemicals and fertilizers like we think we do and we're mowing them down anyways if it's a if it's a lawn so um, I'd really study what you're doing chemical wise in your garden. Dr. John Harms is a professor in the sociology and anthropology department at Missouri State University. He said a lot of good can come from allowing the water to be filtered by vegetation and percolate into the soil. Well, there are lots of microorganisms that live in the soil, and they have a way of kind of cleaning the water and purifying it. And so water that goes through that is going to be cleaner than just your regular runoff off a roof. Wastewater treatment plants take all of the water from pipes in homes and businesses and put it through rigorous cleaning processes before it's returned to the waterways. But water that flows from things like storm drains doesn't go through those same cleaning processes. So it's easy for petroleum products from cars, dirt from roads, and litter to end up polluting our waterways. So what types of dangers could come with contaminated waterways? Well, what are humans, 70% water? Water's the foundation of life. And what we do to water, we do to ourselves, is, is the bottom line. And we're not doing a very good job of taking care of our water. I mean, water is essential to life. It isn't just human beings, it's all the other organisms on the planet and how we're all interrelated. And water is one of the things that we have in common, I mean, that we need. It's like the atmosphere, the air we breathe, you know, it's just an essential element of life. A big part of what John teaches in his classes revolves around water conservation. A lot of people don't think it's important to save water and to use it responsibly. Can you talk about why that's misinformed? Because water is the essence of life, and to not treat it well is to not treat life well. We mistreat the water, we're indirectly mistreating ourselves. And eventually it's going to come around. You know, everything's connected to everything else. So we mess up our water, it's eventually going to come back to us, either through the animals we eat that drink the water that we've polluted. Um, there's just no getting around it. I mean, whether we drink it directly, we're going to get it indirectly. A lot of our listeners are very in touch with their gardens, and they care a lot about nature conservation. 
What has your experience with gardening been like and how has that helped you connect with the environment? You know, I just started out gardening to have some free beans and that kind of thing. But the more I got into it, especially since I've been teaching the environmental class, is looking at how complicated the soil is. You know, I've read a number of books now on soil and all the microorganisms that are in there and the different types of soils. Gardening has allowed me to practice what I've learned by teaching the environmental class. And so when I go out to my garden, um, you know, I, I don't till, you know, as that's disrupting all the microorganisms ecosystems, and there are all sorts of e interlocking ecosystems that exist in the soil. And so when you till the soil, you're disrupting all of those ecosystems. And so I'm pretty careful about how I manage the soil in my garden. John helped show me that the big idea here is water preservation. Rain gardens are only one part of a much bigger picture. So I asked him, if you can't have a rain garden on your property, what else can you do to keep the waterways clean? His answer was pretty simple. Um, not pollute, <laughs> you know, not put crap in there. podcast. For more Friends of the Garden content, visit us at friendsofthegarden.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. There you can see pictures of the rain garden and stay up to date with park events. If you're looking to help maintain and enhance the rain garden and all of our other gardens, you can through our website. Visit friendsofthegarden.org and click on contribute. Until next time, stay peachy. podcast is written, produced, recorded, and hosted by Diana Dudenhafer. Introduction on Rain Gardens is by Peter Longley, courtesy of the Springfield Green County Park Board. Intro and outro music is Curious Nature by Ketza, freemusicarchive.org, licensed under attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international.